um, how many of you guys have had this happen in 2019 where you had a plan? You had a plan for this year, man. And it was going to go this way. And then it didn't happen that way. Yeah. Anybody feeling that? Yeah. Feeling that in the room? Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Like that, I'm not the only one. How about this? Second question, ready? Have you ever had a plan, like a thing that you are like, this is where I'm going. This is, I've got it organized. I've got it figured out. And it didn't go that way. And that happened this week. Raise your hand. Just give it to me. Let me see. It happened this week. Something did not go according to plan. Thank you. Yes. I feel you because, yes, that happened to me this week as well. All right. Let me ask you another question. So um, how many of you have ever had a plan? You're like, you're organized. You're like, this is what's going to go down. And then it didn't go down that way. And that happened today. It's only 1130 in the morning, but it happened today. Anybody? Anybody? Everything's gone. Oh, thank you. Yep. Um, me too. Um, brief, quick story. I went to Walmart before church this morning, you know, like you do. And, and I went, and I, it's, I can't get into all the details. Ask me after service. But there was a lot that went on, very, very dramatic. Um, and, uh, well, no one went to the police station, so that's good. But, um, but, yeah, it's just dramatic stuff, Katie. It's just the way it is. But it wasn't according to plan. Like, I spent more time at Walmart than I thought um, I would, and it was okay, but it was not what I planned. And I think maybe for you, like, it's, uh, it's like a family, it's a Christmas thing where you're like, okay, here's, everyone's going to come in, and we're going to be able to, like, be together, and then um, it's all set, and then family shows up a day early. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. Or m maybe um, you're like, you know what, Christmas time, we've got a lot of families, a lot of dynamics, and so we have to, like, figure out how we're going to weave all of the visits into the next four days. Maybe some of your families are like, we must meet on Christmas Eve. And then somebody else in your family that's like maybe your spouse's family is like, we must meet on Christmas Eve. And you're like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this plan? You figure out the plan and it doesn't go that way. Maybe, maybe it's a work thing, right? Maybe it's a work thing where you are like, you know, career-wise, big picture. You're like, you know what, this is where I'm going. Man, I am so pumped. This is where I'm headed with my career. And it doesn't go that way. Or maybe small picture, maybe it's like a project you're working on. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to knock this project out. I got the project plan. I got it ready to go. And, and it's, maybe it's going to put you up for a promotion if it goes well and all this stuff happens. And you know what, it doesn't go according to plan. And so this happens. What do we know about basically what I just, oh, you know, here's a great one. How about this? December 22nd, 2018, one year ago today. You're sitting here, maybe you're at the warehouse, maybe not, but maybe you're just on December 22nd last year, you're going, you know what, man, I cannot wait for 2018 to be over with. Are you kidding me right now? 2018 was the worst, and I need 2019, because 2019 is going to be the year for me, man. I got this. I got this. And then... 2000, January 2nd, 2019, you're like, yeah, okay. And those, you're, si you're sitting here now, one year later, and what are we saying? Man, I cannot wait for 2019 to be over, man, because two, 2020, I'm going to see clearly, get it? I'm a 2020, I'm going to see, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And what do we know about this? What do we know? What do we know? We know this. We know this. We know that we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea. And, and so there's things that happen, not according to plan, like every single day. And so then we ask ourselves, um, let me, I ask you actually, um, 
So how many of you, when that happens, check in, check in with me right now. How many of you guys, number one emotion you feel when the, when the plan does not go down the way you want it to go down is you get frustrated. Yeah. Where are my frustrated peeps in the room, right? You're frustrated, like, oh, man, this is how it's going to go down. It doesn't go down. You're like, mm. How many of you are like, you know what, I cross a line, actually. Oh, I, I cross a line. When it doesn't go to plan, I don't get frustrated. Uh-uh. I get downright angry. Who are my angry elves in here? Like, you guys are just like, you know what? When the plan does not go down the way I want it to, I get upset, angry. Right? Some of us get frustrated. Some of us get angry. How many of us, um, when that happens, when the plan doesn't go down the way you want it to, you actually get anxious? Like, you start to freak out. Where are my, ang- my, my angsty people in the room, right? Yeah, there you go. A whole row of them. Nice. So, these are the things, right? These are the things. So when we, here, here's what's crazy. This is like so crazy. So what we know is that we don't know what we don't know. And yet, even though like that's true in here, and we know that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day, yet when it doesn't go according to what we say we want to have happen, we get frustrated, we get angry, we get upset, we get anxious, as if it's a surprise that it didn't go according to plan. And for me, if you haven't been here, the last seven weeks, this is week eight, I'm glad you're here today because I'm going to do a little quick rewind and we're going to just look at like a ton of things we've looked at over the last seven weeks in one slide and we're going to learn a little bit about it. But what we've been doing is we've been in this series called Change Your World in 52 Days, looking at the book of Nehemiah. And we have been looking at, like, his calling and how he, he got upset about the walls of Jerusalem being broken down and how he went to the king and he asked for everything and he asked for timber for his house and pay my way, give me some letters so I can get through safely. He did all this stuff and he, and he felt called, like, to go do that because the, that Jerusalem was not okay and so we follow through his story, and we've been really kind of associating that with ourselves and the fact that here's what we believe and what we're learning, is that God has placed in you a unique mission, purpose, calling, whatever you want to call it. He has put something inside you that is unique to you. And that thing is when you are fired up about it. You see something happen, and it's like, it is not okay. Like what I saw today at Walmart, I said, you know what, that is not okay. Somebody's got to do something about this. And when you are in that situation, ask the question, why are you getting upset about that? Why are you fired up? And we've been trying to locate that in us and put words to it. And last week it culminated because I said, write it down, slackers. Like I remember, like I literally called you guys out. I said, look, some of you are not writing it down because you think that's for the kids. Write it down. What is it that God has called you to? And right now, maybe it's like to get out of debt or maybe it's to, to make sure you do well in school or maybe it's to like get that new job or whatever it is. It may be organic. It may be something that's changing. But here's what I'll tell you is that some of you have actually locked in really what you feel like God's called you to. I had one person a couple weeks ago say, I've never been able to write a mission statement my entire life, but I was able to do it in this series. And it's a doozy, man. It's awesome. And what have we done, just so you guys are ramped up? So what we've done is we've looked at a lot of things over those seven weeks. We've done these soul workouts every single day, many of us have. 
And through that, we've looked at our spiritual gifts. We've looked at and we've mapped out our past experiences, the highs, the lows, the, the, the great times and the brutal times. And then we looked at our core values. Our core values are those things that, man, you can say a lot of things around me, Catherine Brundage, but when you say that, you cannot say that. I love you. But the thing is, is that then when we see that our gifts and our past experiences and our core values, when they overlap, like right in the center, that's really, that's many times when God speaks to us about our calling and our purpose. And so today, the the interesting thing is that, man, Nehemiah, as he, and, and we could wind this series up a lot of different ways. I could be like, you know what, guys, 2019 you got this, you've got your purpose statement, you've got your, your mission, you've got your core values written down, you've got your spiritual gifts figured out, you've mapped out your past experiences, you've allowed God to heal some of that, and now, man, just, just go roll with it, you know? But the reality is, is that it's a process, right? And that the best thing that I could tell you is not, hey, good job buttoning it up and putting it aside. The best thing I could tell you is that, guess what? Wherever you're at in the process, your number one goal right now is to take the next step. Whatever that step is, take the next step. If you're a blank filler inner on the back of your news and events, here's the phrase that pays for, the, for today. You know what you know, and that's all you need to know to take the next step. You want the entire plan, and God is telling you, and God is definitely confirming in us that if we knew the entire plan, we would bail. We would not follow through step by step by step if we knew the entire plan. He knows that we cannot handle the entire plan. And so what does he ask us to do? He doesn't ask us to commit to the entire plan because we don't know what it is, but he asks us to commit to the next step. Why? Because you know what you know, and that's all you need to know to take the next step. Another way to say it is you don't know what you don't know. And the future for us is unknown, but it's not to God. Micah, if he's around um, somewhere, yep, he's coming up. Uh, Here's an example of a guy who has worked through this particular thing because I want us to see a couple of examples of this in real life because the reality is we're all in the same spot. It just looks a little different for all of us. So Micah has been working on a project um, this past month, and I just wanted to talk about it a little bit, mainly, well, for him to share, but also to inform you guys about something that's pretty cool that's going to happen. So... Um, so this last month, you've been working on a project. What does that look like, and what has that been? So for one of the soul workouts um, about <coughs> a month ago, or maybe it was the first week of them, so six weeks ago, um, one of the days was to take, like, time to fast. And so I um, decided I was going to do, you know, fast breakfast, right? And I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. And um, I just felt... Um, something telling me to start writing. Um, and when I write, I write like generally like songs and lyrics and music and things like that. Um, and so I started to do that and then lunch came around and I felt the nudge to like skip lunch and, and to continue to try to be intentional with my time uh, with the Lord uh, in that piano room. And um, so through that, a song kind of came out of that. And um, so I just kind of took each, like he was saying, like every step of the way, you know, decided to write the song, and then uh, I was talking to Ryan, and like, you know, can we maybe get a scratch recording just so I can start to share it with the band and whatever um, to maybe see what happens, and yeah, so it just 
that's what I've been working on the last month or so. And so the entire plan that you had when you fasted, you had the whole plan figured out and you just knocked it out along the way. No, right? No. Um, and so he said to me a few weeks ago, and it just ties in perfectly, is like, hey, Dad, I'm just going with the next step. I'm just taking the next step. And if, if things happen, they happen. And, and, and then somebody said to you, hey, do you actually want to record it, right? Yeah, so then... You know, we had the scratch track, and it was cool. And then we decided, you know, maybe we can, uh, we raised some money last New Year's with some apparel stuff to potentially record at some point, and, you know, just waiting for the right opportunity. And then it kind of all fell into place in that way. So we had some money to go to a studio and, you know, get more legitimate recordings of, like, vocals and stuff like that. And so um, it's been quite the process. And the scene got open doors and... Uh, you know, definitely taking steps of faith. So baby steps all on the way. End up now today, where are you at with that project? Yeah, so this week, um, we got to the point where I was looking at potentially releasing it. And so the issue is when you try to do something like that and you go through, like, the distribution companies, they want a band name, you know, or an artist uh, to release the song under. And what I did know through this whole thing was I didn't want to release it under my own name, and I didn't want to release it under second place. Uh, for various reasons. And so I knew that. And so what I was trying to pray about and figure out was what to name it. And uh, so if you want to pull, pull that up. Yeah. So uh, you can ask me about why it's named this later, but the name is Beta Worship will be like the, the band name that we created. And then On Our Way is the one we've been playing the last couple weeks. We'll play um, it today at the end. Yeah. But um, so we're going to be releasing it, and it's officially all done, and that's where we're, we find ourselves. So it'll be on all the streaming platforms and stuff like that. So in the very near future. Yeah. Thank you, sir. So just like a really like microcosm of this example of here he is, he's got this idea, talking to people, and then slowly step by step by step, here we are. We're just waiting for the, the green light to be able to say like it's available out there. Um, and so here's what I want to do. I want us to look at Nehemiah. And, and we're gonna, it's going to be a bunch of scripture all at once on the screen. And we're going to walk through what did Nehemiah not know? about this whole process that he went into. And some of these things are going to ring a bell if you've been around. And some of these things I'll have to explain just a bit, but it's really, really interesting because what he didn't know is all of this. If you look at this, um, here's where we're going to go. So Heavenly Father, before we dive into um, picking apart some of Nehemiah's story, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, all the things that we've brought into the room that's stressing us out. We, we set those things aside. And we open up our heart and our minds to you to speak to us right where we're at, no matter what our age is, no matter what our phase is. And we love you for that, in Jesus' name. So here's the things that Nehemiah didn't know. Number one, these are all the chapter and verses on the left. So the walls were in ruins. He didn't know that. His brother came to him and said, hey, did you know this? And he found out. And he didn't realize, he didn't know how he would react to that, which he, he what did he do? He sat down. He wept. He fasted. He mourned. He prayed. He didn't know he was going to react that way. He didn't know if the king would approve his trip. He didn't know that the king would send officers and cavalry. He didn't know when he got to Jerusalem. He didn't know how bad the damage was. It actually says that he went out to survey the damage of the walls. He didn't know about that. He didn't know if everyone would be on board. When he cast vision, he was like, man, this is what I want to do. This is what we're going to do. He didn't know if they would all be on board. He didn't know that Sanballat and Tobiah would ridicule him. He didn't know chapter three. He didn't know how he would position everyone along the wall to repair it. 
He didn't know what the damage was. He didn't know how he would do that. He didn't know that. He didn't know in chapter 4 that uh, Samballat and Tobiah would discourage him and discredit him. He didn't know how hard his people would work. He didn't know that Sanballat and Tobiah would literally wage war against him, assemble an army outside of Jerusalem, ready to attack. He didn't understand that and know that. He didn't know that he would need to post a guard day and night. He didn't know that the people would get tired and want to quit. He might have known that they would get tired, but he didn't know that they would want to quit. He didn't know that the people would be afraid 10 times over, according to Scripture. He didn't know that he would station the people by families to defend the wall. He didn't know, he was going there with the, the, the blessing of the king of the known world. Like the most influential, powerful person in the world had given him the green light for this project. He didn't know what he, he was going to have to defend. He didn't know that the workers, I should say workers, would, would be warriors. He didn't know that he wouldn't change his clothes. It says that, all right, in scripture, like he didn't change his clothes. Chapter 5, he didn't know that his people were taking each other's land and money. We didn't go over that one in service much, but man, he was not okay with that. In chapter 6, he didn't know that he would be distracted by Sanballat and Tobiah for a conversation that was really intended to kill him. He didn't know that. He didn't know that he would be accused of being in opposition to the king when he was there on behalf of the king with the king's green light. He didn't know that Sanballat and Tobiah would hire a guy to get him to disobey God and lose his influence with people. This story we didn't read. It's right after where we left off last week. They, Tobiah and Sanballat literally hire a guy to lure him into the temple to get him to disobey God and lose his influence and his credibility with his, with his, his workers and his people. He didn't know that they would finish in 52 days. I mean, how would he know that? He wouldn't know when he went in. He had no idea how many people, what the damage was, how hard they would work, what it would look like. He didn't know. He didn't know that all the nations would lose confidence because of his work. He didn't know that Tobiah would keep sending letters to intimidate him. In chapter 13, seven chapters later, he didn't know how messed up the people were. He didn't know that the temple was being neglected. He didn't know that the Sabbath was being ignored. He didn't know that the people were marrying the enemy. And he didn't know at the end of the book, the last verse, he didn't know that how he's going to end is he's going to say this. He says, you know what, God, remember me with favor, my God. He didn't know. He didn't know. And I think that if he knew everything on this slide before he said yes, before he took the next step, I don't know that he would have said yes. And I think what's awesome and what's interesting to me and what I think it speaks so loudly is that every single time when he didn't know something, what did he do? He found it inside himself. And I believe at the end we'll see what caused him to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the next step. And I'm going to take the next step. And I'm going to feel the opposition. I'm going to take the next step. And what am I going to do? I'm just going to take the next step. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue what's going to happen. But I'm going to take the next step. Another example, my friend Jordan, come on up. Jordan's going to share with us just um, a little bit about his story and kind of where things have been. And um, Jordan and I have been... um, uh, hanging out um, off and on for the past like semester or so, um, three or four months, and it's been really great. And I appreciate this guy's heart for God and his heart for people. And uh, we were just talking about his story and about kind of what he and his wife has, have been through. And <laughs> I was like, "You cool with sharing some of that?" And he and he is. And so 
Jordan, talk a little bit about where you guys have been and where you are. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I appreciate you asking me to share. And um, so, yeah, my name is Jordan. Uh, my wife uh, is Sarah, and we have a little girl named Lily. You might have seen. Uh, she's got really cute, chubby cheeks. Uh, my my daughter, not my wife. Um, <laughs> walking around, anyways. So we've been uh, we've been here at Second Place for attending for about uh, six months. We've been connected for the past uh, couple years, and. Um, yeah, so, so Joe just asked me to share. We just moved to the area. We, we used to live in Cambodia. Um, so we moved from Cambodia in June, and he wanted me to share a little bit about that because it's, we're still in process. It's, um, you know, we just, we just left from, you know, serving God um, in, in missions overseas, and uh, we're here now, obviously, uh, living here. And, yeah, we, there's still questions. There's still, God, why? What are you doing? And I don't have answers to those questions. And, um so anyways, just to kind of backtrack a little bit to college, this is a picture of us uh, when we were seniors in college, graduated Olivet in 2012. Um, we had our nice plan set up. I was going to be a resident director at Olivet uh, and do residential life ministry, and she was going to be a nurse. Um, we had everything, you know, planned out, you know, our I's dotted, T's crossed, and start paying off those good old school loans, and everything made sense. Um, our senior year, God really began to just stir in our heart, um, and we didn't know what it was at the time, but it was to follow him and, and move to Cambodia. Um, over a series of months, we just prayed and, and taught, talked to people and, and different things, and um, we, we realized that God was calling us to do this. So um, we thought, you know, okay, we graduate, uh, get married, raise funds to go, and we'd be, be gone by the end of the summer. And uh, it ended up being about two years since God had originally put in on our heart to go um, for us to get to Cambodia. Uh, there was a series of things that happened. Um, our team fell through. Um, our organization had changed some things. And um, so we were, we were definitely discouraged in the process. We had our expectations of what that would look like. And, but, you know, two years later, we're, we're uh, seeing what, what God had called us to. So Cambodia, if you don't know uh, where Cambodia is, it's a small country. Uh, it's south of China and east of India, next to Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, and Southeast Asia. Um, so we got there, and like I said, our team had fallen through. Our vision had changed. Like, our purpose had changed maybe three or four times with our organization. So we were just there, and we were going to learn the language, and we were going to just figure out what God was calling us to do. And so about six months in, we got in contact with this um, older couple who had been there working in Cambodia for a while, and they were starting to work with this group of people in Cambodia, um, the subgroup of people that had never heard the gospel until five years before that. They didn't often get outside their little district village. It was difficult um, to travel outside of that. And um, But God was preparing a way for them to hear the gospel, and it was exciting. And so we were going to you know, continue to learn language and, and join their efforts and be a part of something really exciting. And it started to make sense um, until one morning I got a call uh, from my mom and she had said, you know, LaDonna had passed away and that's my wife's mom. And so it was unexpected, kind of out of nowhere. Like, okay, like didn't know what to do at that point. That night we were on a plane back to the, to the States and really having a hard time with that. Um, question, okay, God, like, why did you call us to Cambodia? Why, you know, is, has all this happened? And um, we get back to the States and are just a, a bit of a mess for about a year. 
And um, so I, I was going through my phone uh, trying to <laughs> find a picture of that time, but this is the only thing. It was a little meme I sent my wife when we got back from Cambodia, because Cambodia is in the tropics, very hot and humid, and we get back to Chicago at the end of October, and it was just really cold. <laughs> so a little joke. But uh, it, yeah, it was, just, it was just a really difficult time. About a year later, um, during that time we were living in Georgia, um, uh, I was working with a home, uh, the headquarters of our home organization, and about a year, you know, started to feel like, okay, like, feel ourselves again, get our feet under under us, and um, we started to talk about, okay, you know, is God bringing us back to Cambodia? And after a couple years, there was a, a team that formed, we had a clear vision, and so in 2017, um, in January, now five years after God had called us there, and, and we, you know, we said, yes, we're, we're going back, and so... You can look at a picture of our team. Here, there's us dressed up in Cambodian attire. Um, if you look closely enough, you can tell how short the sleeves are on my uh, <laughs> on my arm there. I was a little tall for, for Cambodia, so they didn't have clothes of my, my size. And those shoes were like size 11. I wear size 13, so I was like stepping on the back of them. And anyways, so um, symbolic of how we just... A lot of times it felt like we didn't fit there, but it was good. We loved it. We loved uh, the last two and a half years there, and uh, God really began to do some stuff. It started to make sense. Okay, God, like you called us here. Um, we started working with a group of pastors. So this is the group of pastors there. Um, started a church planning school, and they for the you know weren't able to get any sort of training and um, what they wanted to do. They wanted to serve God, but a lot of them have third and fourth grade reading levels and don't have access to any sort of training in their language, and so uh, we started that, and it's still going on about a couple weeks ago. They had another session of training, and anyways, they're, they're beginning to plant more churches, and um, there's a lot of people coming to faith. My wife uh, had implemented um, a community health uh, kind of development program, and so this is an example of some of the stuff they do. Um, it's like a huge compost thing that the village were able to get up, you know, their own resources and put together to find other sources of income. They started like a mu mushroom farm and um, they have like clean water and all that type of stuff. So I'm kind of fast forwarding through all this. There's a lot of, a lot of details in it, but uh, kind of to summarize it up, like the last two and a half years when we were living in Cambodia, it was like we started to really hit our stride and um, God was doing some really good stuff and it was exciting. Um, and through a series of events after a couple of years, of living there, our team ended up leaving, and there's a lot of different other factors, organizational changes. There was a lot of really good stuff happening, but we also kind of had to come to face with the fact of that God was, for various reasons, God was bringing us back to the States. And it was hard. It took a few months to really, like, say that out loud because we had invested so much into this. Um, you know, we thought we'd be there for, for a while. And um, so come last June, we are um, oh, yeah, this is another picture of us. This is right outside of our house. Um, my wife is pregnant in that picture. We had our little girl there. Um, but anyways, yeah, we um, get back in June to the States and um, not really knowing what God was doing next. And honestly, it's six months, you know, from that now, and we still don't know why he brought us back, what what is going on. There was a lot of really good stuff that um, he did, and he, he still is doing. It's, you know, continuing in a lot of ways, but that was home, and we invested in that, and he brought us back, and okay, 
God, what are you, what are you doing next? Um, we, you know, we trusted him. It was costly <laughs> to move overseas twice. Um, it costs a lot of relationships uh, in terms of my wife. She, last year of her mom's life, she wasn't able to spend with her. Um, you know, there's a lot of our journals are filled with like, God, what are you doing in this? And so, anyways, we're back here now. And one of the things that God has, I just wanted to end by summing it up in, in, in this passage of scripture. It just tends to do that for me a lot. But I don't know if you know the story of Jesus calling Peter, James, and John. Probably a lot of you do. So here's Jesus on the shore, and they're out fishing, what they've done their whole life. And uh, they'd been up all night, and they hadn't caught any fish. And Jesus says, well, why don't, why don't you throw the net on the other side? And they kind of roll their eyes, and they're like, okay, we'll do that just because you're Jesus and everything. And so they do it, and they throw the net out, and all of a sudden, tons of fish kept coming into the net. And they're bringing the fish in, they're bringing the fish in, and, you know, the nets start breaking, and they're, oh, they're taking the net, and all the fish, they're going to bring it in the, in the boat, and the boat starts sinking, and, um, and Jesus kind of laughs, and he says, you know, now I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. And it was the invitation to follow him, to learn under him, and to join him in what he was doing. And that was exciting. And you fast forward three years after that, and Peter had denied Jesus. Jesus had died on a cross. He was confused. He even went back to fishing for a little bit. And he didn't know, okay, God, like, you called us to follow you. And he's broken. He's in this place of a lot of confusion. And you look back at the story of when, when Jesus first called them. And that sunken ship, that broken net, was symbolic of also a lot of times what God calls us to. Um, and it's not, you know, very attractive or it's not very appealing. But a lot of times when God calls us to something, he also calls us to the end of ourselves, to, to brokenness and to, um, you know, you look at the story of the prodigal son. What does it say? It said when he came to himself, that's when he met the father again. You look at John 6, and, and Jesus is teaching about, you know, the Passover. They had no idea what he was talking about. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. That was, like, offensive to hear to be, to, for a Jew, Jew to hear that. And so people start leaving, and Jesus turns to Peter, and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter's response is, he didn't understand what Jesus was saying, but he said, you know, who else has the words of life? Where else am I going to go? And it's this mix of there's pain, there's confusion when we step out and trust him. But at the same time, he's good, and he's worth it. And I, I wouldn't change anything. I, we wouldn't change anything. We have you know, have no regrets. But at the same time, we're in this place of, okay, God, <laughs> it still hasn't made sense of what the last X amount of years have been. But So anyways, I wanted to share that. Thanks for listening. We were kind of laughing after each time that he shared, and I appreciate you sharing each service yesterday and then today, is that it's kind of like, it's hard to kind of wrap that story because there's not really, like, there's no resolution yet. And I really appreciate that. A lot of times when you have a testimony, it's like, oh, man, I was struggling a year ago, but Jesus, you know, and it's like, how about now? How about now? That I'm in process. I'm in process right now, and I'm, I'm broken, and I'm trying to figure it out, and I don't really know. And yet, taking the next step, just taking the next step. E- each um, service, um, I've prayed for, for Jordan and his family because of where they're at. But I think maybe you, you resonate, maybe you see yourself in this story some way. Because to be honest with you, we're all in the same spot. 
Um, but I would appreciate if you guys, um, you guys would be different people than the other services to, to pray with me for Jordan um, and just uh, kind of like, yeah, to kind of honor that story and the process. So Heavenly Father, um, thank you for Jordan, his family, and his heart for you. God, I pray once again that you would open doors, that you would give him opportunity, that you would um, give him favor and expand his territory, Lord, that you would strengthen his heart and his soul and his faith in you, that he would be willing to just take the next step. And Lord, I've watched his life over the past four or five months and, uh, and even before that, Lord God, and watched him do just that not knowing exactly what's next, but just simply taking the next step. And Lord, I just pray right now for the confidence to do just that. And Lord, that you would bless him and his family, um, that they would just be able to sense your presence with them um, as they go and as they continue to go. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you, man. Give it up for Jordan one more time. He's a... <clears throat> what a process. I want to talk to um, just a couple of people in the room today um, because... There's, there's really, I think, two people in the room. One, uh, number one, you have no idea what your next step is. You're like, Joe, I got no clue. I honestly don't have an idea what my next step is. Let me talk to you. So here's, here's what I would say. If you don't know what your next step is, it's, it's, a, it's an indicator to get quiet, to get alone, and to start listening to God for your next step. And more so, what it is that God has called you to. If you don't know what God has put in your heart that he has really fired you up about, if that is not clear, and it's why I've challenged you to write it down, that if you don't have that clear, it's going to be difficult to know what your next step is. And if you don't know what your next step is, let me tell you typically how we sedate ourselves so that we don't really um, pay attention to the fact that we don't know our next step. What we do is we simply continue to do what we're doing. Tomorrow we get up, we go to work. Tomorrow we get up, we do laundry, it's Monday. Tomorrow we get up, we go to school. Whatever it may be that you are in the grind of, you just keep doing the same thing and you just don't have to think about the fact that you don't really know why you're doing what you're doing. Now, none of that is wrong. Much of that is beautiful when you know that God has called you to that. When you're getting up to go to work and maybe you're the cupbearer to the king. Probably not. But maybe you're an engineer or a teacher or a nurse. And, and you're able to, be, to get up in the morning and say, man, God, this is what you've called me to. I have figured that out. I have. And so my, 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 my admonition to you would be to say, get quiet and figure out what God has called you to. Second type of person is you know what your next step is, but you're not taking it. And there's a lot of reasons for that one. You know what your next step is. Some things that come to mind right now, fear. Oh my goodness, I don't know what the whole plan is. I don't know it. I don't have it all laid out. How can I take a step, God, if I don't know? What we're learning today is that we will never know it all. And so the goal right now is simply to take that next step, whether that's filling out a job application, making a phone call, shooting somebody a text, apologizing to someone, asking for forgiveness of someone. Maybe it's donating something to someone. Maybe it's bringing in a parent. I don't know what is your next exact step, but I'm telling you that that step cannot be stopped if you overcome that fear. I'm going to tell you how to do that in a second. But there's some other things that, that come to mind as well. You, you sit there and say, oh my goodness, Joe, but you, I have this burden on my heart, but you know what? No one's helping me out. You're whining a little bit. 
No one's helping me. No one's helping me carry my, my backpack. It's so heavy. Let me tell you, the reason why it's difficult, the reason why no one is helping you is because it's your backpack. And he has created that backpack specifically for you, specifically for you to carry. And it doesn't matter. If you knew what he really thought about you, it doesn't matter if anybody helps you carry it because it's your backpack to carry. And when someone else tries to carry it for you, they feel out of place because they're carrying your stuff. It's not designed that way. He has perfectly created you to carry the pack that he has for you. Now, will people help you? I hope so. But it's not, if they don't, it doesn't matter if they do because I'm gonna to continue to go. How do we know? Here, here's, what, here's what our backstop, here's what we come back to, because it's not like, oh, just overcome that fear. Oh, just, what did Nehemiah do? Here's seven things that he did know. Seven things that he did know. Number one, fill in the blanks if you gotta have it done. Ready, here it is. Number one, I need God. In chapter one, he said, you know what? All these people are a mess, God. Jerusalem is a wreck, and guess what? I am a sinner, and I need you. I need God. Start there. Number two, I am a servant of God. I am a servant of God. I used to say that I was a sinner, but I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. I'm a servant that sins. Some of you don't even realize how big of a statement that is and how it will change your life if you start living as what you know you are, which is a servant of God. Number three, God has placed a mission inside me. Some of you need to check your theology. You don't believe that God would ever do that. But I'm telling you, the baby in the manger says different. You don't think you have a purpose. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. God has placed a mission inside of you. Number four, I have to quit something to start something. We all need to stop some things in our life. In order to do the thing that God has called us to do, we can't add it to what we're already doing. We have to quit some things to make room for what God wants to do in us. Number five, I have been wired with unique core values. You can say a lot of things around me, but you can't say that. When you're feeling that, that's a core value, and that's part of what allows you to say, you know what, I'm going to continue to take the next step. Number six, when I feel resistance, and I will, I won't quit. It's different than number four. Number four is making room to do the thing that you're called to do. Number, number six is all about once you're in that calling, then you're, you're not going to quit. And you're like, but I want to quit. Go back to number one. Go back to number two. You, are, you need God and you are a servant of God. You're not going to quit. Number seven, I won't know the full plan. I just need to take the next step. These seven things are what Nehemiah knew. And these seven things are the big ideas of the last seven weeks of this series. You know what you know and that's all you need to know to take your next step. Why don't we stand? This first song, All Glory Be to Christ. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of reasons that you can do the things that you're doing. But all of us, if it doesn't come back to bringing glory to Christ, if it doesn't come back to making him famous, if it doesn't come back to Jesus, it's all for naught. The second song is Waymaker. Some of you are here today and you're like, you know what? I don't feel God moving. I don't see God moving. And what you need to do is check in and say, you know what? But that's not who God is. He is always working, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it. He is always working on our behalf. The last song is the new song. 
on our way. And every single step of the way is simply that, taking another step on our way to see the King. So Heavenly Father, as we come to you with these songs, Lord, may your name be glorified. May these be more than just songs, but may they be cries of our heart. But sometimes we need words on a screen to help us articulate what's in our heart. So God, fill us, move us, stir us as we sing in Jesus' name. Honestly, that's what the next step is all about, right? It's all about being on our way to see the King. And, And I would just encourage you, if you choose, what happens if you don't take the next step? What happens if you don't take it? Here's what I'll tell you. You just created delay. Because God's not just like ready to swoop in down on you to say, oh my goodness, you didn't take the step. He's ready for you to take the step. But you don't only cre- you not only created delay for you, but you created delay for everyone around you that's connected to you. For your family, your spouse, your friends, your coworkers. Because guess what? We need you to take that next step because we need to see you go change the world in your spot. We need you on the wall in your gap. So God, as we go today, Lord, may we take the next step. Whatever that is, Lord, we know what we know and that's all that we need to know in order to take the next step. So God, we just pray that we would be light in dark places this week, that we would be a kind word, a patient person in a store, that we would be a person that even would pray and lead someone to you this week. God, with all of the festivities that are planned and everything that's going on, Lord, I pray that we would be the ones to be the calm and the confidence in the room to bring a peace, Lord God. And Lord, I pray for tonight. We're going to have, and you've already arranged it, and you know what's going to happen tonight. You know that we're going to have a, a bunch of families from the community. Our friends from Natural Discovery are going to be here, family and friends, Lord God, and many who need to know that you love them, that that there is a purpose and a plan for them, and that there is a God that is real, that changed our story from a manger. And God, we pray for them right now. We pray against all of the discouragement, the distraction that's going to try to keep them away tonight. We bind that and cast that away and allow them the freedom to come, Lord God, by your spirit. And Lord, as they do, that they would be opened up, Lord God, to your story and your salvation and what you have for them uniquely, especially for them tonight. We thank you for that and all the planning that's gone into it. Lord, we pray that we would be those people this week as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Love you guys. Have a great, great week. We'll see you back here tonight at 6 o'clock for Christmas in Monique. Can't wait to see you there.